Amen. Praise the Lord. We are certainly glad you're with us today. And uh, Josh mentioned, he put me way up here. You were trying to get me out in the crowd today. I like that. So, uh, Josh mentioned the love that they, the Zambians have for the ministry. Uh, and Dan and Janice have instilled that in them. Uh, and it's something that can only be given by God and cultivated by God. Uh, and it's certainly, they certainly have that. And that's kind of one of the things that we're going to talk about today is how do we cultivate that uh, here in our local assembly. Uh, if you've got your Bible, we're going to turn to First Thessalonians chapter 1. I'll be 1 through 3. Uh, the title of the message today is Relational Ministry. Uh, we just finished up a series in Romans um, that we were in for at least a year, if not longer. And we ended up with hearing about some people that had labored in the ministry and, and the relationships and kind of acknowledging the things that they had done. Uh, we're going to continue on that today. This is a passage, a couple passages that we're going to look at over the next two weeks that have been on my heart. And knowing this was coming up, that Jay was going to be gone. Uh, and this is kind of what you get when you have your pastor gone. And then you have your backup worship leader gone. Well, this is what you get. So, you know, so, yeah, so here we go. So, uh, and hopefully Jay and Colin will be back uh, sometime late Saturday night. So possibly they'll be here uh, Sunday morning, but we'll see what kind of uh, condition they are in after that. So, uh, so what we want to look at, we want, the two-part message that we want to talk about, the first part today is talking about uh, the lay people of the church. And we are all lay people here in the church. Uh, and you probably, maybe some of you have had this thought. Maybe some of you haven't. I'm going to be honest and say that I have. Maybe you've been working in the church or doing something in the church, and the thought came to your mind, I'm the only one doing anything. Anybody ever said that? I'm guilty, right? Uh, or maybe I have to do everything around here. We're not talking about your home. I'm talking about here at church, you know, because all the wives just said I have to do everything around here, right? Uh, husbands, you know what I'm talking about. So uh, lastly, well, if I don't do it, it won't get done, right? Uh, well, maybe we're, we are guilty of making these statements. But sometimes we can get so focused on what we are doing in the ministry uh, that we fail to see the work being done by God uh, through the people and the rest of the congregation. You know, we have to be careful that we don't have the attitude of Elijah. Uh, if you remember Elijah, uh, he had just defeated the, the, people, the, the prophets of Baal, uh, and he was on the run after that, and he was, you know, bellyaching and moaning to God. And what did he say? Well, I'm the only one that's standing for you, God. Well, what did God have? He had 7,000 men uh, waiting in Israel that had not bowed down. So there's lots of things that probably are going on behind the scenes that maybe we just don't know about or maybe we don't see. We also have to be careful that we don't have the attitude of Martha. Uh, if you remember Martha, she was busy about things, but she wasn't doing the needful things that her sister was doing. And so sometimes we can be busy in ministry or busy in church doing good things, but they're not the needful things. Uh, so we have to be careful of that as well. Uh, last week we had a men's conference here, uh, and we had, man, it was, seemed like every, there were men that come in from this, that I didn't know we even were in the church, and everybody, I mean, we were all running around like bees, busy bees doing the things that needed to be done, and there was no, uh, 
There was no uh, overseeing being done. It was, didn't matter what your role was in the church, whether you were the pastor, worship leader, uh, anything. It was, hey, this has got to be done. Go do this. Hey, go do this. Go do that. Uh, and we all did that. And we put on, you know, it, pre- it, you know, it, was, pretty, it was pretty seamless, I'd have to say, for two-day for two ministry. Uh, and it was something that was really important to us to do that. Uh, we pulled together as a team. We had the praise team, tech team, food and coffee team, parking lot team, registration team, cleaning team. Every individual man pulled their weight, regardless of their status or position in the church. And it was a beautiful thing to see. It was a privilege to participate. I re- it really was. And it was, it was awesome to serve so many of the churches that we had, that had served us over the past few years. Uh, so shout out to you guys. Y'all did awesome. Uh, so, but anyway, and along that mindset... That's what it takes to do ministry, to do it correctly the way that God sees it. Uh, so let's read First Thessalonians 1 through 3, and we'll pray, and we'll get going today. It says, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Verse 3, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. I'm so thankful that you have allowed us to be here today. You have given us the breath of life, dear God, and you have given us the ability uh, to be here. Uh, and I pray, I don't pray, I, th- I don't think that anybody's here uh, by happenstance. Uh, you have ordained this meeting today. You have uh, destined everybody to be here for a certain purpose. And I pray, dear God, that as we uh, study your word, as we just let it uh, just seep down in our hearts that you would do the work. I pray that you would get me out of the way. I know that I'm nothing. I admit that. Uh, And I pray that you would just use me, uh, give me the words to say, and make sure I don't say the words that I shouldn't say. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just have free reign in this place today as he becomes the teacher uh, and we become the students, dear God. We love you. We thank you for everything that you do for us. Uh, just bless the rest of this time. And all these things we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. All right, so uh, your points today. And I will say before we get started, uh, my dad is here uh, with his wife. My brother's here with his wife and, and two of his three children. Uh, and so I'm thankful that you guys are here. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, all your points today are mentioned or they are Brought to you by the letter A. So if you're going to, you have to act like you're a preacher, even if you're not. So uh, A will be your your letter for today. First point is appreciation. Uh, Verse 2 said that we should give thanks to God. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Um, You know, I wonder, and we're going to get to this in a little bit, but do we really give God thanks for the people around us, for everything that he does for us. Do we make mention of the people that are in our prayers? Ephesians 5.20 says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I know there's, we like to say, well, I'm, I'm not going to thank God. Uh, I can thank God in everything, but I'm going to thank God for everything. Well, there's scripture that says we should give God thanks for everything because, and for every person because God is going to use those circumstances and the people in your life uh, for his glory. We may not be able to see it. We may be able to not know what it is. We, I'm sure we look around at each other just like you look at me and said, man, I, I'm not sure about this, but God is. God's got it. And so we have to trust that. Romans six seventeen says, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered 
uh, unto or delivered you. Second Corinthians 2, 4, 14 and 15 says, Now thanks be unto God, which causeth all us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. And you're going to see a theme as we go through all the different scriptures. You're going to see a lot of us's. You're going to see a lot of we's. You're going to see all things. And those things are very important. Everybody in this church is very important and it's vital. Every Christian is very important. Uh, you're all important in God's eyes. The next point is you all. Uh, and that's y'all for us in, you know, in, in the southern part. And it's you all in, in the scripture. But, uh, and it's everyone. We're going to have a long verse of scripture. And I just want you to see the notice of us, we, and all things. Colossians 1, 12 through 20 says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us... Meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him." He is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church. Uh, he was the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in all things he might have the preeminence. Today, this is not about you. It's never been about you, and it's never going to be about you. It's about giving Jesus Christ and the Father glory. Um, for it pleased the Father, and in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. I hope you see the pattern. It's all things. It's everybody in this church. We are all brought together to give him glory, and we need to recognize that. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. First key today. We should see the value in every believer the way God does. I know you're looking around that y'all are already sizing everybody up. Where do I? Yeah, Tony, you are. I, I know, I'm joking. Uh, he's the first one I saw that smiled. So, uh, and we do that, don't we? We come to church and we like, yeah, I look over here. Maybe I'm doing pretty good. I'm probably not doing good compared to him, but maybe over here to him, I'm doing pretty good. You know, and we we kind of that's the way I know men do that. Uh, you know, but we don't need to do that. Every Christian and every believer is valuable. Everybody in this church is valuable. Uh, Pastor Sam Miles puts it this way. Never despise who Jesus bled out and died for. So the next time that you get cross with somebody in this church, you think about that. The next time you think somebody hurts your feelings or somebody offends you, you think about that. Guess what? And there's something Jay Shug told me when I first started discipleship. Seven, eight years ago, dead men don't get offended. Think about that. If, you've crucified, if you're crucified with Christ and you're letting him live through you, somebody that maybe says something that you don't like, that won't offend you. It won't. Um, you know, Christ paid the ultimate price so that all might come to repentance. He's not willing that any should perish. Think about it this way. The most valuable substance in the universe, and we might think of 
Uh, right now it might be uh, chips for your car or it might be wood for your house or you might think about all those things that we can't get right now because they're scarce. Right? The most valuable substance in this universe is God's blood. Ever. And guess what he used? What, guess what he did with it? He paid for you and he paid for my sin. That's how much he thought of you. That's how much he thought of me. That's how much he thought of every creature, all things. Uh, and it was God's blood, according to Acts 20, 28. Uh, so how precious do you think you are to the Father? How precious do you think the person around you is to the Father? Pretty precious. Pretty valuable. Uh, how precious do you think each believer as a member of the church is to the Son, Jesus Christ? You think about, you know, you guys that are married... You think about your wife or your spouse, what you would do or what you have done, uh, laying down your life sacrificially according to Ephesians 5 on a daily basis. That's what you're supposed to do. And you think about your bride and how valuable she is to you, uh, how you can't live without her. That's what Christ thinks about you. That's what he did. That's what he, he paid the ultimate price for his bride, the church. Uh, we should be thankful for each member of the church, in particular, each member of our local assembly here. Each member is vitally important. I can tell you what, last week when every, we, we had 150 guys in here, I was thankful for every, every hand and every, every, everybody I could get. Uh, and it, was really, it really was a sight to behold. Uh, one more long verse of scripture or passage of scripture and we'll keep going. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, 12, 12 through 27. For as the body is one, I've got that up there, don't I, Derek? Yeah, it's a little small. Uh, you can turn and read it if you, if you can't see that. For as the body is one, hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all, bab- we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not the body, is, there, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. If the whole body were an eye, uh, where were the hearing? You guys are all looking around, well, what body part am I right now? You're thinking, uh, you know, I've always done that when I've read this passage. So, uh, If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one, in the, every one of them in the body. This is key. As it hath pleased him. So when you look around in our body, in our local assembly here today, it is pleased God to bring every person into our local assembly. Uh, it's not about pleasing Jay. It's not about pleasing me. It's not about pleasing any member. It's about pleasing God. And we have to understand that it has, he has seen fit. And if they were all one member, where were the body? Verse 20, but now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot see into the hand, or say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more are those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have become have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Nor for one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Amen.
And so you think about this, and obviously we got football season coming up. Anybody excited about that? Yeah, I know, yeah. Josh is not so much. Yeah, so Alabama fans are excited. But So you think about this. How valuable do you think the water boy is right now? When they're practicing, and it's, you know, they're doing two-a-days, and it's 100 degrees outside. That guy, he will never take a snap. He will never score a touchdown. Uh, but without him supplying water to them, they're not going to make it through practice. How valuable do you think the third-string linebacker is when the first two linebackers get, get hurt? Next man up, right? So each member of that football team is very important and vital, no matter what position they may have. How valuable to the quarterback is the line? Without the line, he can't get protected, he, and he's going to be sacked every play. And so, you know, for us Alabama fans, how valuable do you think the kicker has been? You know, uh, how many field goals have we knocked across the, you know, on the uprights over the years? So I'm pretty sure Coach Saban thought they were really valuable. So uh, each person is valuable no matter what part you put, may play. If you don't, you know, going back to the illustration, cut your finger off and see how valuable you think it is. It's pretty valuable when it's, you know, over there and you're in pain, right? Uh, drop something on your toe and see how valuable your toe is. You know, well, that's, that's how God organized his church or designed his church. Point number two, uh, acknowledgement. Acknowledgement goes in your blank. So go back to the verse, and it says that uh, we give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers. And the key phrase there is making mention in you in our prayers. Uh, man, I hope you pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. I really do. Uh, you know, I, I pray, that, you know, especially as, as Jay and Colin have been gone, man, you have lifted them up in prayer every, every day. I hope you have. Uh, you know, Brother Gabe's back with us today, again, praise the Lord. And I hope you've been lifting him up in prayer every day. Because uh, uh, as my mom used to say, you know, he needs the prayers and you need the practice. Uh, Brother Jack quoted that to me before we started. He told me he was praying for me. So, uh, you know, and you really do. And, we need each other's prayers. We really do. First uh, Samuel one twenty three. This is what God thinks about it. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing, ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. So guess what? If you don't pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're sinning against the Lord. Any, the Bible says that anything apart from the faith is sin. So if you neglect to do that, well, guess what? You are sinning. Uh, Romans 1, 9, for, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Uh, your second key, an inactive prayer life ensures an inactive walk with the Lord. Prayer is the means of communication that you have to uh, God the Father. So if you neglect to pray, well, guess what? There's no communication. He communicates to us through his word. We communicate to him through prayer. Uh, and that's the only way. It's, it's the only biblical way to do it. And so it's kind of like, if, you know, with your wife, if there's no communication there, then us as men, we're going to get way behind on what we're supposed to be doing. You know, I know with my, my wife has, keeps a schedule for us, and she tells me where I'm supposed to be, and I say, yes, ma'am. And so... You know, that's the way that that works. And if I don't have that communication, well, I'm usually running around like a chicken with my head cut off, and it's not pretty. 
so we have to have that communication. And God has, you know, we have to have that communication with God as well. It's kind of like with a car. You know, no prayer means there's no power. It's like a car without a battery. It really is. There's no power. Uh, you may have um, everything in the call of the components, and we'll talk about this a little more in a minute, but if, no, if there's no battery, then you're not going anywhere. Uh, and guess, and I'm going to meddle a little bit. If you truly love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you'll pray for them. If you truly love them. Amen. If you don't, you won't. Um, you know, 1 Peter 4, 8 says that we need to have compassion one for another, uh, loving as brethren. And so we need, to be, we need to do that. Paul had that compassion. He had that love uh, for his, the people that he had fathered in the faith. Philemon 1, 4 through 6 says, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual, by the acknowledging of every th- good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. You know, we all have different spiritual gifts. We've, God has given each one of us a spiritual gift. You may not know what your spiritual gift is yet, and we can help you to learn what that is. But if you've been saved, uh, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a spiritual gift. And so we need to be thankful of each other's spiritual gift and the things that God has given, up, given us to do, or the, the talents and abilities. Uh, and we acknowledge that to God. It is a good thing. Uh, you know, if all we had were singers, and we didn't have any preachers, and we didn't have any, any ushers, and we didn't have, I mean, it would get, you know, you can only sing so much, right? If all we had were preachers, and we had no people that served coffee, and we had no people to sing, you know, we can only preach so much. It takes everybody's gift in this. If we didn't, you know, not everybody can go back there and teach and do a great job. Now, you may back th- go back there and do it if you've got, you know, if you've got the breath test, right? Uh, but some people have been gifted in that, and they do a great job here. Uh, you know, we need to be thankful for that. James 5, 13 through 16 says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Uh, you know, so obviously if we have somebody that we know is sick in the church, you need to get on your knees. You know, if you, have, if you know of a situation in church or some, one of your brothers and sisters in Christ, you better be praying about it. You better be praying for God's wisdom and guidance to, to know how to counsel that person. Because uh, if you try to do it in your flesh, well, it's going to be a mess. Uh, and I'm, I'm guilty. I've done that. So, and it says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Uh, we got to pray. We, and if you don't, you know, just hit your knees. And start praying, and God will give you the words to say. And sometimes he will, some, you'll say things that you didn't even know you were going to say when you started. Uh, but the Holy Spirit can lead you in that. Uh, we have to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ because it's biblical. Uh, point three. Point three is affirmation. And we're going to spend a lot of time here. Um, verse three. We have to because we've we got 30, at least 20 minutes or 25 minutes. So we'll have to. So, uh, so remembering without ceasing. Your work of faith, your labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Uh, remembering, 
remembering is a key there. You know, I, I, I'm thankful my wife was in here for a minute. She left. I can say I can talk freely now. So, you know, I, I got a confession to make. I can't remember anything. And you guys that work with me in ministry, you know, on the worship team and or whatever, y'all know that I can't remember anything. I will come in each Wednesday, and we may have done something a certain way for, you know, two years, and, I, and then you come in, and I'll do it a certain way. Well, this is the way we've done it. And I said, I don't remember. You know, this is the way we're doing it today. You know, Josh is laughing. He knows about that. But I really can't. And so, you know, my wife tells me that. But truth be told, we all have selective memory. Uh, hey, just. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. So most people can remember every small detail about the things that are interested in, that they are interested in and invest the most time in. I can remember when I was a kid, it was baseball cards. Uh, my dad is here, and he knows all the, the thousands and thousands of baseball cards I made him buy. And I could quote you every stat and every batting average and the runs batted in and uh, the games played and the walks and all these different things of all these guys. Uh, of course, now they're not worth the paper they're printed on. Um, but, man, back then I had my album out. I had my favorite players. I had all the stats. I mean, I knew them. I knew I could tell you, you know, Steve Garvey, I could tell you how many runs he uh, runs batted in in, you know, 1980 or whatever because um, I cared about it and I spent time with it. Uh, well, the truth is, uh, most of us, if we're honest, we can't remember the most important thing that we have today. It's the words of God. You know, and the problem is because we can't remember them is because we don't spend that much time with it. Uh, you know, why don't we? Well, it could be that it's just not that important to us. Uh, but it's the most valuable thing that we have here. It's the very words of God that we have in our hands that he can communicate with us through. Uh, Paul wants us to remember and acknowledge the times when our brothers and sisters in Christ have been faithful to the work that God has called them to. You don't think God, that Paul, you know, read his letters. He cared about the people in ministry. He cared about what they were doing. He wanted God for God had inspired him, but he wanted every believer that would follow in line after this. He wanted them to know that they were faithful. And guess what? He also wanted to know the ones that weren't faithful. They're, they're in Scripture, too, uh, you know, thousands of years later. Uh, and so it is very important that we, as a church, when we see somebody doing a good job, number one, tell them. I mean, it's a very easy thing to encourage somebody. And sometimes we, as Christians, that's, the, that's what we just don't do because we get so preoccupied that we don't take time to say, hey, man, I appreciate you. I appreciate what you do. I need to do a better job of that. Uh, we all could. Uh, and it is, if when you look at this and you look at the scripture, it said a work of faith, it said a labor of love, and it said patience of hope. And so when I hear those, I obviously think about 1 Corinthians 13, 13. You know, faith, hope, and charity. Uh, and, those are, and those things are very important. So let's start, we're going to break this down, this passage, a little bit more. So first we're going to look at a work of faith. And so work of faith is in the past. Faith goes in your blank, I think. So, um, so that's something that happened previously. Let's look at Colossians 1, 3 through 5. It says, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, uh, since we heard of your faith. In Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints 
For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel? So Paul is acknowledging this church at Colossae and these believers at Colossae because of when they heard the word of God, they responded accordingly, and he he was commending them for that. Man, when somebody gets saved, when somebody starts growing in the Lord, you ought to commend them. You ought to encourage them. If somebody signs up for, you know, COD or somebody signs up for a discipleship relationship, if you see them growing in the Lord, pull them aside and say, man, I'm glad to see you're, you're walking with the Lord. Encourage them. They need that encouragement. You know, if Jay preaches a good message, encourage him. He needs it. You know, if I don't mess up a song, come encourage me. I need it. You know. Uh, and we all need that encouragement. We need to acknowledge that. When we see somebody growing, when we see their response to the gospel, uh, we have to encourage that and exhort that. Uh, and I mentioned that it's in the past, Hebrews 11, 6 through 10. Uh, obviously, Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter, and you see all these names of people that uh, believe God and believe the word of God and responded accordingly, uh, not knowing what was going to come, not knowing what was going to happen. Uh, Hebrews eleven six through 10 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. And notice, I'm not talking about getting saved. So before we, you know, I'm going to have some verses up here in just a minute. And I know the context. I've studied it. I'm not talking, there, I'm not talking about the faith that saves you. I'm talking about the faith that sustains you. I'm talking about the faith uh, that you act on. As you respond accordingly uh, to God's word, okay? Uh, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet. And notice these, all these verbs here are past tense. Moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive uh, for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out. Uh, Not knowing whither he went, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise, and as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So what we're talking about is faith that is acted on. You know, we're talking about hearing from God's word and acting on it. Having faith that what God said is true and acting on it. So your next key, true faith will always result in action. And you may say to yourself, well, I don't see myself acting. Do you really believe what God said? I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about when you put your faith and trust, you know, for your for redemption or for uh, payment for your sins. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the faith when God tells you to stand up here and preach. Are you going to do it? When God tells you to go play bass, are you going to do it? When God tells you to come up here and give a mission minute, are you going to do it? When God tells you to sign up for COD, are you going to do it? When God tells you to go sign up for a, you know. Teach in the, in the nursery. Are you going to do that? Are you going to go back there and do it? Or are you going to sit? That's what faith is. It's action. You know, and if we truly believe the word of God, if we truly believe that these promises are true, and we truly believe that it's inerrant, infallible, uh, word, it is the word of God, 
we'll act on it. We will. And if we don't, we won't. We'll just sit for every, every service, and we'll listen, and we'll go home. We'll make statements. Oh, it was good to be in the house of the Lord. Was it? What did it how, did it change you? Did it change your, your mentality? Did it change your mindset? I've sat for years and just went home, went on about my business, you know, made religious statements. You know, there have been times in my life when I've been backslidden, rebelling against the Lord, not keeping his commandments. I was saved, but there was no proof of faith, my faith, to other people. Why? Because there was no active faith. And it said without faith, it's impossible to please him, right? So if you, if you don't have faith, you're not pleasing God. You're not. If you're not acting on that faith, you're not pleasing him. And I know that's tough. But, I, I mean, I'm living proof. Um, why was I in that state? Well, it's very simple. Spent no time in the Word of God. You know, it's, well, we talked about the battery in the car, right? Well, guess what? I don't care if you got a battery. You don't have any gas. You're stranded on the side of the road. You got all the components. You got your radio. You got all that, you know, all that stuff. You got no gas. Good luck. Well, that's the way faith is. If you don't have the gas in your car, if you don't have the word of God acting on it in an in a active, present state, you're not going anywhere. You're just sitting on the side of the road, right? Uh, and so we need to acknowledge that. We need to acknowledge the times that we've seen people act on their faith. I mean, it ought to encourage us. Man, it encourages me. When I see people that have grown, when I see people that uh, were here, and now they're here, that encourages me to want to go where they are. That encourages me to want to walk, have a walk with the Lord like they do. Paul talked about that. He said, be ye followers. He didn't say God. He didn't say Jesus. He said, be ye followers of me. Because he was so sure of his faith. He was so sure of what he, who he was following. He had no problem saying, follow me. And we ought to have that walk with the Lord that we can see that. Uh, that's what I want. That's what I want. Next point, labor of love. Uh, did I skip some stuff? Yeah, hey, give me those back. Those were good. Go back to that. I went off on a rant. Yeah, so John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, keep my commandments. You know, my dad's here, so I, I you know I can speak freely about my relationship with him. Um, you know, there was a lot of times growing up that I. Kept his, I, he told me to do something, and I did it because I didn't want to get beat, you know. Uh, but as I grew older, I learned that I was doing that because I loved him, and he was, he was disciplining me and telling me the things because he loved me, because uh, he wanted to see me do right. When you have a child, that is the first step of really showing their uh, love for their father and their mother if they will do what they say. Uh, it may not seem like it, but it is. Uh, James 2.18, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Again, I know the context. I know this tribulation context in James. But in faith, and works don't save you. Okay? But works show that you have faith. It's the proof that you really believe what you're saying. Uh, it, it really is. Uh, now I can go to that. Sorry about that, Derek. Derek, is, Derek performed flawlessly 
you know, for two days in the Ford's men's conference, and, and, and now he's back up here with me. He was like, oh, man, here we go. So um, he's earning his money today. So uh, next one is the labor of love, and that's, that's present tense. Uh, when you look at this, it's a labor of love. Um, Genesis twenty nine twenty, it says, And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. Uh, when you think, if you read the story, obviously he served seven years for Rachel. He ended up, he got tricked by Laban, and he ended up serving uh, seven more uh, for Rachel, and he got Leah as well. Um, but he loved what he was doing because he saw the goal. He saw the end, end result. He saw that he was going to receive his bride, and it just seemed like it was a few days to him. We all have that same mindset. You know, when we come here, we just... We love what we do because we know where we're going, because we know who it's about. Uh, Nehemiah 4.21 says, So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. And obviously those, the men of Israel there are rebuilding the temple, uh, and it was, it was just work because they, they, they wanted to have, uh, they wanted to give glory to God's name. Uh, and it was easy for them to do. Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work, and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints, and do minister. Uh, we had these verses in Romans, Romans 16. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Romans 16, 12. Salute Trophina and Trophosa, who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis, which labored much in the Lord. You know, I was passing, driving down the road the other day, and every restaurant over in Jones Valley, help wanted. You know, help wanted. Job available. And right now, if you've got a job, you have got a precious thing. Uh, and because of the situation that we're in, you know, people are wanting work. And that's why when we go to a restaurant or go somewhere, that's why it's taking, you know, twice as long as it would normally take to get your food. Uh, so, you know, I know we get that bothers us, but we ought, to, we ought to remember the circumstances before we lose our testimony. Um, you know, not that I've done that, but... Um, but, you know, if we truly love the Lord, if we truly love the labor, it's not labor. It's not, it's not that four-letter work or four-letter word that we don't like to use, work. Uh, we won't have a problem being available, whether it's to make coffee, whether it's to, you know, move chairs, uh, clean the toilet, whatever it needs to be done. Yeah, I'll do that, Sure. And we ought, to, we ought to labor much in the Lord because he has given us so much. He's given us more than we can. He, scripture says that he daily loadeth us, us with benefits. You know, he just piles it on. Uh, and sometimes we just, we're so unthankful. Uh, we, we just really don't realize how blessed we are. Uh, next, patience of hope. Patience of hope. And, I, there, you know, when I was looking at this and kind of breaking this down, there were several different uh, aspects of this, so we want to kind of go through that. And hope is something that's future. Uh, you know, Hebrews 11 talks about, he, Hebrews 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, so we have some substance uh, that we are placing our hope in. That substance is in the faith, or is in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not in our government. It's not in uh, your job. It's not in your spouse. It's not in your children. You better place your, something, your hope in something that's eternal. 
your hope should be in the person of Jesus Christ and nothing else, especially today, especially the things that are going on in this world. If you don't have hope in the Lord, I don't know how you make it. I really don't, uh, you know, because it, it is nuts out there uh, and getting crazier. So uh, patience of hope, future. And so we want to look at There's five different things that I saw here. Um, the first one is that you place your trust and your hope in the Lord. Psalm 39, 7, it says, And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Psalm 33:22 says, Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Lamentations 3:24, The Lord is my portion and saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. Uh, man, we really have to make, kind of check up and see where our hope is, uh, you know, especially today. Next, we want to hope in his word. Hope, word goes in your blank. You know, I don't know about, and it took me a long time. I've been saved since I was six years old. But I didn't develop a skill set to study God's Word until, you know, probably seven, eight years ago. Uh, And to think all those years that I went through life, you know, having a faith that wasn't active, but only that, not having a hope, something to base my hope on. Something active, something that was that I could put my hands on and put the hope in God's word um, because it is eternal. And it is something that, you know, will never fail. Uh, no matter if you lose your job tomorrow, no matter what happens, God's word will never fail you. Uh, it will sustain you and keep you. Psalm 119, verse 114 says, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. You know, I, I think about this when I was a kid, uh, you know, regardless of whether I liked what my dad said, if he told me something, you could take that to the bank because that's what was going to happen one way or the other, uh, you know. And so no matter how sure your, your trust was in your father or your mother, uh, there's a more sure word right here. Uh, and it is true and it is eternal and it is uh, one of the things that you need to place your trust in. So 11974 says, They that fear thee will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in thy word. 135 says, 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. The word, the scriptures should give you comfort. Uh, if you have the spirit of the Lord in you, uh, it should give you comfort on a daily basis. Uh, and that's where you should be receiving your comfort. Your comfort's not in your 401k. Your comfort's not in your... Uh, you know, your insurance policies, uh, your comfort's not in the, the temporal things of this world. Uh, it should be in, a, in the Word. Uh, next, you want to hope in God's mercy. And I'm thankful for God's mercy today. Um, you know, I should, I should have been gone. He should have took me home many times over many, many years because of my rebellion against him. But he's merciful, and I, I thank him. Psalm 33, 18 says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. Uh, And, you know, we should have a healthy fear of God. You know, God's word says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I just don't think we have, have a lot of wise people today. I don't think, and even even from 
a standpoint of believers, we are going to stand before Almighty God one day and give an account of our stewardship. And I see when I look at believers, and I've been guilty, it's like we didn't think that day is going to, we don't think that day is ever going to come. It's coming. You can, you can bank on it. And when we do, we will all give an account of every idle word and everything that's been said and done since we've been saved. Uh, that ought to strike some fear in us. It should. Uh, it really should. But I have hope in his mercy. Psalm 147.11 says, The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, and those that hope in his mercy. Uh, his word says that his mercy endureth forever. Amen. Praise the Lord. Last thing, last ho- or last thing we have, or two more things. Hope uh, in eternal life. And that ought to give somebody a chance to say amen. amen. Are you thankful that you have eternal life in the person of Jesus Christ? I know I am. Amen. Titus 1-2, in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. You know, when you think about the characteristics and, and the nature of God, he cannot lie. If this is his word, there's not a lie in it. It doesn't, it's all for your learning, for your, for your uh, doctrine, reproof, and correction. And so, you know, there's no lies in it. And the, the world that we live in and the culture that we live in, um, and why we would put our, any, any, give any validity to anything that we see in our culture today is, is beyond me. Uh, it really is. Um, because there's no fear of God. Uh, and there's, there's no rules. It's, 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 culture today and society today is anarchy. Uh, it's kind of like judges, the time of the judges. Every man does what is right in his own eyes, right? Because when they looked at things, there was no king. But we know as believers there's a king. It's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and that king is coming one day. Uh, and so we ought, to, we ought to act that way. Uh, our lives should be different. Titus 3.7 says that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Uh, Hebrews 6, 11 and 12 says, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You know, I'm thankful that one day uh, all the things, my faith will become sight. All the things that I've read and all the things, that, the promises that are in his word will all become clear. We'll become real. We'll become where I can see them. That's going to be a great day. You know, as fearful as I am of that day, I'm also very hopeful uh, because of what he's done in my life. First Peter 1, 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. Lively means that it's active uh, in its present and its future um, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You ever, you know, Christmas time come around and 
you know, you had the, you had what you wanted, and you know, that's what you wanted all year. And man, you, Christmas Day comes and it's not under the tree, and you got something, but it wasn't what you wanted, or it wasn't as good as you thought it would be, and the the uh, the glamour of it faded very quickly. And then nowadays you do that, and it's only you know, it's on Facebook. You know, from the yard sale and all that stuff, as soon as you buy it, and it's not what you wanted it to be, right? Well, one day, um, when we get to heaven, when we see our Lord and Savior, that will exceed anything in our imagination. Uh, the glory of it and the splendor of it will, be, will exceed anything that we could possibly think of. And there will be, it, you know, it won't fade away, uh, and it won't... It'll be something that will be glorious. And it'll be the best day that you've ever had. It'll be the best, thing, best time that you will ever have. You'll never get tired of it. it won't, the batteries will always run. You know, it, it won't wear out. Uh, every day will be a new day. And every day every, every day's going to be awesome. You know, all day. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, lastly, Titus 2.13 says, Looking... For that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. You know, I wonder sometimes, and I, depending on my circumstances, and um, here you go, I, it, it never fails. We're not done. I always hear the, I always hear the, let's go eat lunch. Just a few more minutes. I do that too, so I don't feel bad. Um, you know, I hope and pray. And there's been times in my life, depending on my circumstances and the things that were going on in my life, I was not looking for my Savior. Because there were things that I was doing in my life I wouldn't want him coming when I was doing it. But I hope and pray that we have, we are looking, and it is a blessed hope, and we are looking for the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, because he is coming. And... There, when he does come, what will he find you doing? Will he find you, you know, binging on Netflix? Will he find you, uh, you know, just sitting around waiting? Or will he find you working? Will he find you doing the things that he's called you to do? Uh, and you should look up because your redemption draweth nigh. It's closer today than it was yesterday. And if he doesn't come today, it'll be closer tomorrow than it was today. Each day brings us closer. Uh, so, you know, we're going to pray. Um, if you will, just close your eyes. We won't have a song today, but uh, the altar is open. Uh, so, you know, you know, I would be remiss if, today if I didn't ask you the question, are you saved? You know, have you repented of your sins and asked Jesus into your heart? Can you look back to a specific moment in time when you did? Pray that you can. And if you have done that, I say praise the Lord. But where are you at now? You know, maybe that day was, for me, it was uh, 40-something years ago. Uh, maybe it was last week. Maybe it was a month ago. Maybe it was a year ago. And I'm, you know, I'm glad you made that decision. But are, where are you at now? Are you currently participating in the ministry of reconciliation that God has called each one of us to according to 2 Corinthians 5? And if you're not, why not? What are you waiting for? You know, are we making sure to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ? 
Uh, do we take time daily to thank God for their faithfulness to the word? And then lastly, are we laboring in love in Jesus' name? Is our heart just not in it? Are we going through the motions? Can we, you know, we can, if we are going through the motions, if we answered yes to that question, we can repent today and get our heart back in the game. And it's for the Lord's sake. Trust me, it's the only thing that will matter when we stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you.